Hello there, my name is Alyssa Olenek. I am obsessed with all things exercise, science, outdoors, and growing an honest online business. I've spent the last 10 years studying exercise physiology, nutrition, and metabolism, and I'm here to help you move past the extremes in the fitness and wellness industries to have the real conversations we're not often willing to have with a sprinkle of sass and a whole lot of truth. I'm here to help you confidently live with me in the messy middle. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Middle Podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode because as you guys know, I don't talk a ton about like cutting and reverse dieting and bulking and dieting phases just because I'm more focused on performance nutrition, but I know that is something that a lot of people are confused by. They struggle with understanding how to actually implement these things, specifically reverse dieting because it goes against like all of the stuff that we've ever thought about nutrition and diet. We think we just were chronically eating in a deficit or we eat a ton of food to bulk and like what these things actually mean, especially if you're coming from like conventional fitness industry like 2015 mindset. And so this is kind of a new thing, but I also think that there's a lot of misapplication of it or misunderstanding of it. And so Alex Macklin is our guest today, and I'm really excited about this. Um, I've kind of connected with Alex a little bit on and off on Instagram, but we had this really great conversation of like a month ago where we were just chatting about how not everyone actually needs a reverse diet or what they think is a reverse diet is actually just like well-paced nutrition or learning nutritional strategies and who it's right for and how like sometimes I think we both agree the industry overuses this term probably because it's catchy and trendy, but also in a science-based way. So people really hook onto it. Um, so I really wanted to bring Alex on today to talk about this, but I was so excited when I opened up Alex's like questionnaire form because I learned some things about him that I didn't know before that I think will benefit you guys as well. So Alex has a really good healthy mindset on how he approaches coaching and how people can meet themselves where they're at. But Alex actually left his first PhD program, which I think is insightful because that's the polar opposite of obviously like I left my first PhD program, but Alex never went back and I did. And I know that that is something that a lot of you can maybe relate to. So I would love to talk about Alex a little bit more so we can get to know him together and then dive into the reverse dieting goodness. So um, we'll get into that in the second half of the episode, but for first off, Alex, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got here? Um, we always tell our guests their messy middle journey, um, but really just like how you got to the point that you are, I would love to hear your backstory. So our audience has more of an idea of how you become this, you know, nutrition and fitness coach that you are today, who's obviously doing great things with your clients. Yeah, 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 totally. And thank, and thank you for having me on. So yeah, I was in grad school and I... I uh, was working on a PhD in biomedical engineering. And uh, Liz, what, are you, what are you working your, on your PhD on? Exercise physiology. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, we did some stuff with uh, some exercise physiologists at, at U of M. U of University mm -hmm. of Memphis is where I went to grad school. Yeah. But I have a master's degree. Um, and I was on track to finish my PhD. And um, I started, got, I got really into... CrossFit. Um, and it's kind of a random story, but basically like I met, uh, Doug Larson of Barbell Shrugs, uh, at a, at a bar one night. Mm -hmm. And like at this point in my life, like I was like super, super unhealthy. Like I partied a lot. Like I got really overweight. Um, I think I was like pushing like 200 pounds, like really, mm -hmm. really overweight. Um, and I, he was like, yeah, you should come to CrossFit. And so I did. And then I got hooked on CrossFit and then I started getting <laughs> – like, like CrossFit was the gateway drug. But then I really got into Olympic weightlifting and mm -hmm. um, Mike Bledsoe, who is Doug's business partner at the gym, um, 
you know, he was also a weightlifting coach. And so I started getting more into Olympic weightlifting and I trained for a little while and I competed and they started Barbell Strong Podcast a few years later and then started selling training programs um, to which they asked me if I wanted to help coach in some of those training programs uh, for weightlifting. And uh, I was like, yeah, like I'll give it a try. Like I just outside of my comfort zone, never coached anything like that before. And I did it and I really, really enjoyed it and really loved it. And um, I did not love my PhD program. Um, mm-hmm. Like I spent a lot of time doing a lot of stuff that, you know, I just wasn't really excited about doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My men- like my mentor, he's a super, super nice dude. Like uh, very, like very nice to me but very demanding about like certain things and just, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, of course I understand. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my, I ended up like doing more coaching and there was a point in time where it's like, Mike was like, Hey, like, do you want to come do this full time? And I was just kind of on the fence about it. Cause I, I really don't like to quit things. So, you know, I wanted to finish, but, there was a point in time where I worked like a year and a half, maybe two years on this paper. And, um, you know, I, when I published it, like it was, it was almost like rewritten. Like mm-hmm. I had written it all and it was like almost like rewritten. It was like almost, I didn't write it. And, and then I wrote a blog on for Barbell Shrug that got seen by like, I don't know, maybe like 10,000, 20,000 people, like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well I can just write this, write these blogs or be, write this content, be a coach yeah. for so many people Versus like, I have this paper that's published and maybe, you know, a few people see it. So it was just kind of the straw. And then, and then I, I left after that and started coaching full time with Barbell Shrugged. And then I got into nutrition coaching with them and yeah, kind of the rest is history. Long story short. <laughs> so how long were you in your PhD program for? I was, I was there. I started in maybe like, I think 2008 and I left in 2000, officially I left in 2014. So I was Oh wow. So you yeah. were like almost all the way. I was almost I was I had so I don't know if you've done your I don't I don't know how every PhD works, but we had two points. We had you know your masters and then you have your uh like PhD project proposal mm-hmm. defense. I had gotten that far and then the next Damn. step to finish, yeah, was to finish just my experiments and write and that was yeah. it. Yeah. So like I was ABD. <laughs> yeah, no, I did a master's first and then because exercise physiology, Georgia, where I'm at, does have a PhD master's combo thing. You can come in right from yeah. undergrad, but more traditionally, like so I did my master's separate. Um, but I just proposed, I mean, granted, I was supposed to graduate in December, but COVID screwed that all up. So really I'm at that point where like as soon as my research gets approved, all I have left to do is that last project. Yeah. And write and defend. But I've hit like I've done the comps. I've proposed. I have the research. I've applied the grant. Like I've done everything possible mm-hmm. <laughs> except for like that last step. So kudos to you for leaving because I know that like I mean, I still want my Ph.D., yeah. um, but it would be really hard for me to walk away right now after because I think that's like the worst stuff. Um but good for you. I have a secret belief that people who are like in biomedical or engineering fields and are in the fitness industry actually have some of the best minds when it comes to this stuff because you're so analytical. Um, so I'm sure that's probably benefited you a lot once you came into the fitness industry and how you think about and approach things just because of that just very logic driven. And yeah. like, yeah. like, I mean, you have to be very smart to get a PhD, even be in a PhD and make it that far in that stuff. So I'm sure it's benefited you 
So I guess the point of saying this is I think a lot of people think the benefits of graduate school or being in these programs is necessarily like only that in your field, but it teaches you so many transferable skills oh, that totally. make you so much, so much better at so many other things. So yeah. I'm sure you were able to go in and start writing articles for Barbell Shrugged and stuff like that yeah. because you knew how to write and communicate difficult topics and stuff like that. So that's awesome. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I don't think either of us are here telling you that you should leave your program or stay. I think that's like a personal choice, but I do oh, think right. it's it's good to highlight that like there are people who leave PhD programs and don't come back. You know what I mean? Where I left my first one and like you do kind of have a say in what you do with your life, despite what academia tells you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, I've made my PhD what I wanted it to be, but I got fortunate. My PI works with RP strength and he's in the industry. So he's always been very supportive and understanding of what I do. But I know that a lot of advisors out there are not supportive and they make it a lot harder than necessary. And that's not, it's not a walk in the park yeah, with a good yeah. advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, like, like you said, it's like personal choice. Like, well, you got to do what's right for you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you're obviously doing great. And I'll shamelessly plug in for anyone else who's listening to this episode who missed John Knowles episode from season two. He also walked away from a, like a normal, like, like mathematic driven based career to pursue coaching and fitness. So if that's something that you can relate to and you want to learn more about John's episode is part of season two. Um, not the same, but similar in theory for those who feel stuck. And then I know a lot of our listeners, they want to pursue that career in fitness and coaching and they feel like, well, they, they, they missed out on too much, but you can always still learn and grow and apply the knowledge that you already have. So yeah, I guess we'll pivot that though into your coaching. So before we get into the reverse dieting chat and all the explanation debunking about that, <laughs> something that I love that you said in your form that you submitted to me was talking about meeting clients and people where they're at. So I think giving this as the precursor context to the reverse dieting conversation is really helpful because I think that a lot of coaches maybe are not doing a great job at meeting their clients where they're at and just dictating what they need to do. But then also I think that clients or whether, even if someone's not working with a coach, but working on their own like nutrition or fitness journey, if that's what we want to call it, um, they don't meet themselves where they're at either. So can you speak to this from like a coaching perspective, how coaches can meet clients where they're at a little bit better to make their transition into these things easier, but then what people can do for themselves to be maybe less black and white and polarizing and difficult on themselves and just making everything so much harder than it needs to be. Yeah. You know, I think the key thing about meeting a client or even just yourself where you're at is to really have a good understanding of, you know, your your life, right? Like have a good understanding of your life, your limitations, your goals, right? So I spend like 90 minutes on a phone call with a client at the beginning because and 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 more so it's it's I you know, I need to understand a lot about, you know, their lifestyle, their goals, you know, what they've done before in the past and all that kind of stuff. But it's more so also too like a lot of people just don't know what they truly want or where they're truly at in life, like their stage of life or just Mm -hmm. whether or not like, you know, what they're ready for or what they're willing to do. And like by asking a lot of these questions, which sometimes like (laughs) people get kind of triggered on the calls because it, it because the questions that I try to ask is like, you know, probing deeper into like, why are you doing this or what do you think is happening here like why like like it 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 makes people face themselves which i think is the key like a key part of meeting yourself where you are you have to acknowledge that oh yeah like i'm you know a busy parent i have two kids i do all this stuff like and because people people see from you know social media and you know or they read books or whatever it's like this is what you should there's a lot of shoulds 
in the fitness health and fitness space. Like you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And so when people see that, um, they're like, well, yeah, I should be doing that, but not recognizing that. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is perhaps the ideal or the op quote. I, well, I optimal. Say, yeah. People yeah, love the word optimal. <laughs> yeah. Like I would, I would say like, yeah, this is what's on the books, but but this is actually not super applicable to me or like to as it is, as it stands. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, having somebody like say, okay, well you need to eat, you know, one gram per pound of and per pound of body weight and protein. And then they actually look at their food logs and they're barely getting, you know, like, you know, they're, they're a 150 pound person and they're barely getting like, they're less than a hundred grams a day. Like, okay, well we, we, likely there's a roadblock there that is preventing Mm -hmm. you or you haven't figured out how to remove that roadblock to get you to the point where it's like more ideal. So if I just said like, okay, yeah, like you got to eat 150 grams and just go do it. Like that's not meeting somebody where they are, right? Like it Mm -hmm. could be just like, hey, like I noticed that you eat, you know, 50 grams of protein a day. Like how about we add a little something here to your breakfast and it's, and you know, I know, or I noticed that you make the shake. Why don't you just put some protein powder in it like that? Yeah. That's something easy, something, something very small. And that's, I think really the key part, but again, like learning about them and learning about where they are. And then even too, like somebody for themselves, like learning where they are and recognizing, like, Mm -hmm. here's the other thing too, is like people, people want a certain goal they think that that's the goal for them, but not yeah. recognizing all that goes into it. I know you've mm-hmm. talked about this before, like with your business, like not recognizing it. Oh yeah. Like you can have all these followers and make all this money or whatever like that. But like, you're not seeing the work that goes behind it. And if you're not willing or able to do that, then you're going to be, you're going to be driving yourself crazy. No, I think a lot of people, well, they see people who are quote unquote doing it all. And I think yeah. this is me calling – I like to sometimes call out my listeners and followers from their own crap as much as I call it the industry stuff. <laughs> it's also like you putting up blinders to all the things that they're doing that either one, isn't possible for you to do in this moment or two, just isn't a priority that you want to take and it's okay. But I think that's where knowing yourself yeah. comes into context and isn't really important. And I do this a lot with my programs where I like really try to make everything modifiable to any level of person yeah. So it's always like, if you're in the littlest method, you can adjust my programs to fit any goal, lifestyle, or time demand. And I give you the resources to do that. And all clients freak out. They'll be like, I can't do all of this. I was like, yeah, but like some clients do want this much volume. But if you can't, here's this resource, this resource, and this resource on how to modify, swap, cut, where to do it at. And it's not bad if you have to do that. Like it's okay if you can only do this much. But this is how you do this. And I think a lot of people, they, they think that they have to do it all imperfect. Yes. And they either, one, don't want to admit what the people who are doing all imperfect are doing. Like, I'm child-free in uh, my pandemic PhD where I work a lot, but I have more unstructured free time than I've ever had before. And I'm trying to tell people, I'm like, I can prioritize all these things because I don't have all these things pulling from me. But in the next exactly. season of life, that's probably not going to happen. And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there, too, where people just... I don't know. I don't think people sit and really get to know themselves. So they don't know what they actually want. So they think that they have to want what other people have or are telling them to have. Yeah. And like, I'll get a lot of people where they're like, well, I don't really want to run ultra marathons and be a super strong lifter. I just want to run and lift for health. I was like, you don't have to do that. No, (laughs) you absolutely don't have to have to want my goals, but we let's find a way that we can take the same application and water it down 
to where you're at. And I'm sure yeah. that's the same with nutrition with everyone. And I think a lot of people, if they, if they actually audited how they felt and where they were at in their life and honestly, like just their intake and they were aware of what that meant. And then instead of like, I, I think the protein was the perfect thing. Cause I just posted about protein today, but everyone, as soon as they see how much they need, they freak out. Right. right. And it's right. like, well, you don't have to add a hundred grams of protein overnight. Like, right. you don't, right. that's not meeting yourself where it's at. Like 75 yeah. is better than 50. Right. Yes. <laughs> and then a hundred yes. is better than 75. And yes. so even I had the stomach flu a month ago and it completely derailed all of my intake. And I couldn't get myself to get over like 110 grams of protein for like three weeks. Like I was like, I forgot. I was like, how do I get protein in? Like, I can't figure this out. And then one day I just paused and I breathed and I was like, Alyssa, you just, you know how to do this. Let's just try to get it back to 120 or 130 this week. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I like, it was fine, but I had to even do that myself after doing this for like, I'm sure you do that all the time with yourself. You're like, I know how this works and I'm, can't I'm I'm overshooting my expectations right now. <laughs> oh, totally. And I mean, what you did there, I think, is is a, a great thing that I that I really try to teach my clients is to like again like show some compassion rather than like being like self compassion rather than being super super hypercritical. Like yeah, you know, you were sick, you had stomach flu. Like if you were super super hypercritical, it's like why aren't you doing this? Like you know what I like to do. Like it's like hey, like, yeah. I just got over stomach flu. I couldn't keep anything down. Like I know yeah. what to do. I just need to like make some small steps and I'll be back there when I can. It happens. It's all right. Like it's cool. Like it's not the end of the world. Like it's all right. You know? so. And all I did was increase the protein intake at breakfast and add right. an extra half a serving of protein to my shake yeah. every day. Yeah. Like so. it was, that's all I did. Like, and that wasn't too much, but I think people will automatically shoot to like, well, I need to eat seven chicken breasts every single morning. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no. Yeah. And then I think that's where a lot of people too just get really overwhelmed and burnt out. I think that's mm-hmm. where it comes from. It's just because it's like, oh, I have this like laundry list of things that I'm not doing or that like I'm not at the right spot. And then, then they're like, well, I'll never get there. Like, yeah, I mean, if you look at it that way, rather than just again, just recognizing where you are, starting with you know, the lowest hanging fruit type things and, or the Mm -hmm. things that you really want to do. I think that's a key thing is I think a lot of people in, in, in nutrition or just fitness, like they, again, they look at shoulds or what somebody else is doing and Mm -hmm. they may not, they may try it and they're like, you know what, I don't actually really want to do that. And then they start blaming themselves or whatever. And then that's how, you know, just people, people end up just stopping because of that. Yeah. And I think it's hard too, because (laughs) And Instagram, at least, it's really easy to get elevated when you're the extreme, right? Like, and it's hard to get people to see past that. So, like, of course, like, it's fun to watch the elite CrossFit athletes. And I train more than the average person. But if I compare myself to, like, Kara or Tia or Brooke Wells or Katrin, like, I'm going to feel like shit every single day. Right, Because even though I still have more time to train than most people, I I cannot run a business and get a PhD and do that. You know what I mean? Like, I know that, that I can't do that, right? I'm very fortunate and know that I can do more than most people, but I could sit there on the internet all day and feel so bad about myself yeah. because yeah. I can't do those things, right? Yeah. But you can't. It's like, I'm still going to get better at Olympic weightlifting. And when I get back in the CrossFit gym <laughs> in the fall, I'm going to get better at wads, but I'm never going to be, unless I decided to give it all up and pursue, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, becoming an Olympic wa- level weightlifter at a national level or whatever it is. But like right now I'm like, I even said to my coach, I was like, 
My goal isn't to compete this fall. My goal is to get stronger. And if I hit that PR in the gym, I don't care. That's just where I, what I want and my priorities right now. And I think it's okay to admit that like, I think a lot of people are afraid to admit that they don't want that big flashy goal that everyone says they have have to have. (laughs) And it's okay to say like, and you've probably heard me talk about this before, like defining what fitness means to you. Like I'm allowed to run ultra marathons and weight train because that's just fun for me. Like there, even though if it makes no sense to anyone else, like I'm allowed to say like, this is what I want to do. And that's okay. I'll never be elite. I'm never going to go to Western States and win the race. But like, I've come to terms with that. Like I'm okay yeah. with that. Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, and what you said, it's like, it's optimal. This, that's, what's really optimal. It's optimal for you. It's optimal for your life. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily like ideal or like perfect or whatever. Cause again, it's like, is that attainable, but it's, it works yeah. for you. And then also too, it's just like, yeah, like being able to let go of the fact that it's like, Hey, like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to be that. And that's cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just an important context to give people. And I love that. I think you do a really good job with that. Um, and I know like you work with Lori and you guys have so many lifestyle people with that. And I think that's awesome to get people and meet them where they're at and like yeah. getting them to work out or eat in a way that is, it, I think, and I think if people can overcome that barrier, I'm sure you see this working with clients. Like once they overcome that barrier, everything's so much easier because they know that so like yes. the unsexy, simple changes Right. And it's actually less mentally effortful, right? Like oh, yeah. it's just so yeah. much less it's hard. Natural. It's natural. And it's, again, it's like what they want to do. It, it, what I say, what I say, it's, it aligns with their, with their values and your, and their priorities. Right. And mm-hmm. like, and when, when anything does that, it's like when something's aligned with your values and priorities, you're going to feel great about doing it and you're going to want mm-hmm. to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And the like seasons of life and, and a lot, at least I think a lot more people are talking about that too. And maybe it's just because we're approaching the age where everyone's like getting married and having babies. So they're like, yeah, I can't train like I did when I was 25 and single and childless. Right, and I was right, like, right. like maybe we're just seeing more of that because like our demographic is getting older. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. aging ourselves. Um, we're getting, cl- we're getting closer to that, to we're getting farther and further from Gen Z, I should yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is nice to see, cause it, I think it, I think it's nice that the direction of social media is slowly pushing more towards the like sustainable, realistic, yeah. lots of grace, lots of meeting yourself where you're at. So yeah. Um, so with that, sorry, I kind of rambled there too. Oh, yeah, I like talking about, I like talking about these things. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I, I miss coaching because of these conversations, but then I'm like in my PhD, I was like, I can't, I can't handle yeah. it. I can't handle it. I can't do it. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I miss having these breakthroughs with people. But then I was like, I have, I'm having my own breakdowns. <laughs> so a, lot I know. Of, a lot of energy. It's a lot of mental energy both ways. So yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. PhD, so like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, sometimes I'm like, I miss this, but some, then I'm like, not now, Alyssa. Later, <laughs> not now. Um, so on that note though, you do a lot of nutrition coaching with people. And obviously I think like meeting yourself where you're at is the first thing. Cause for most people, like before they start a cut or a bulk or a diet or any of that, they probably need to just like figure out what they actually want and what they actually need and where, what they've actually been doing. And I think so many people go through life with complete blinders to what they're actually consuming, whether that's good or bad kind of thing. Well, some people are hyper aware and then some people are just like, living their day just trying to put anything in their face because they're so busy and stressed that they can't even think twice about it and i think like finding where you're at your priorities and stuff like that is probably hard and probably i would assume for most people you're gonna have to get them there first but assuming they're past that point and they kind of know what they need to do and you guys have like been working together and they do get to the point where like okay 
a reverse diet is something that might be beneficial for them, right? Can you define what that is, when you use it, what it actually is versus like what people think it is maybe? And when something's actually a reverse reverse diet versus just like eating in a more distributed pattern rather than like what I call the weekly roller coaster where you like, you're you're eating an even amount of calories across the week, but you're like starving yourself out for three days, going crazy, starving yourself out for three days, going crazy, and then hating yourself on Monday and starting all over again. Right, right. So can you give context to those kind of those two different situations that I think get muddled together as the same thing on social media often, I think confuses a lot of people. Yeah. So I think it'd be easiest to explain like, uh, through like how I typically work yeah. with somebody. Cause like, basically what I what will happen is, is that I will get, you know, an individual and probably nine times out of 10, that person is looking to lose body fat. They mm-hmm. have or body fat or weight. Uh, they have been in a position where they have tried several diets before. Um, they have tried certain things, perhaps even, you know, macro counting, calorie counting. Um, mm-hmm. And generally what happens is, is that this person will have had a degree of success, success uh, with, you know, losing body fat or with a diet, um, but then have difficulty maintaining the results or they are doing something that's very very restrictive in the sense like it's like very you know they're cutting out a lot of foods or they can only eat certain things and whatnot or they're eating a very low calorie or they're trying to eat very low calorie and it's very difficult for them to maintain and adhere to long term but they're trying to because they think that if i stick with doing it which they're not wrong but they yeah not it's not feasible for them. Again, like the whole meeting themselves where they're just off. because calories in calories out works. It doesn't mean that extreme calories exactly in restriction is actually the solution. I think people exactly. do tend to, yeah, yeah, they cling to that. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's the thing is, is that like education, like that, that's all that they know. They think that's mm-hmm. like, well, if I start eating more food or if I change what I'm doing, um, I'm going to gain the weight back, but then, you know, again, they're still struggling and they're gaining the weight back anyways. And they also have the combination of other things that are off. Like they probably have, you know, disrupted sleep or lack of, lack of energy is a huge one that I often see like people going throughout the day and not having the energy to do basic stuff. Like, you know, they'll like four o'clock in the afternoon or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and so, you know, but they're so they're at this point where they've gained weight, they're super frustrated, they feel like crap, and they don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I look at what they're doing, and you know, I, I ask them questions and I look at their food logs, it's often a case of, yeah, they're trying to cling on to this type of eating or like low calorie intake, but they can't adhere to it for the most yeah. part. Like that's 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 the majority of people that I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't work with like bodybuilders and type folks like that. Who, yeah. Yeah. But mostly general, general populace. Like, but I think that, so many people relate to that. Cause that's literally everyone gen pop, right? Yeah. They're sleeping like crap. They're relying on caffeine. They're under right. eating, whether it's because they're trying to lose weight or because they're just too busy and can't be bothered and they feel like shit. And then they feel like weight loss is the solution where it can be a goal, but there's probably some other stuff in there that can help them make them feel great. Exactly. Exactly. 
that makes pursuing if your goal is weight loss makes it a hell of a lot easier right yeah. it's a lot yeah. easier to to do all of these things if you're not literally like barely making it to your afternoon nap right yeah the messy metal podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking in a world full of juice cleanses detox teas fancy promises it can really be hard to trust anything but high-quality supplements, when dosed appropriately, can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year, and after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed by what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. Yeah, and so, but the thing is that people, these individuals will want weight loss. And I have to explain to them, like, that's not feasible at this moment because there are certain things that are not happening to make weight loss successful and doable. And for you to also lose the weight and body fat and then also maintain it and keep it off. Mm -hmm. And so... A lot of times, yeah, like I'll look at the food logs and then it'll be like, you know, 800, 1000, like 1200 or like, and then we'll see days where it's like, like if they even log it at all, like yeah. days like 2700 and like 3000, like it's usually like on weekends and things like that. So you see a lot of like, yeah, like you described, like the roller coaster. And this is by no means like everybody, but this is quite common. Mm-hmm. Uh, And what I have to explain to them is that, like, we are not in a position to intentionally remove any more calories or diet. Like, I explained to them, like, hey, like, if you want to lose body fat, we have to be in a caloric deficit. But what I make, what I have to explain is that we're not in a position to successfully run an intentional caloric deficit with you, right? Mm -hmm. We have to get to the point where you are adherent, where you are eating enough calories on a consistent basis in order to remove them a, a, a sustainable amount and then lose body fat. Like we're not at that point. And even your physiological markers are not indicating that like you have no energy, you can't mm-hmm. perform, you can't recover, you can't, you're not sleeping well. Like if we take away calories, if we take away more calories, none of these things are going to get better. You're going you're to feel going to downregulate more to yeah. conserve more and do yeah. less. And yeah. then you're, just, you're yeah. going to feel worse. And so that's where I bring up like the topic of reverse dieting, which, you know, I have to explain is that like, hey, like we're going to start adding calories back to your life. And Mm -hmm. the sense of and that always 
you know, worries a lot of people generally because they've always been taught like, well, if I eat more food, I'm going to gain weight. And I do explain, it's like, hey, like that may happen, but we have to get to the point where you are at this place so that we can intentionally run a, run a successful cut. And this is a long-term play. Yeah. No. And how many, how often do you think for people, it's a matter of like reverse dieting the sense where they need to like build up their metabolism back versus like just getting them to a maintenance place across the week um, and stopping that weekend, like, yeah. YOLO fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, like I work with the type of the type of individuals that I work with. I rarely yeah. see people who are legitimately eating no food. Like, yeah, like I, I if I was coaching probably like bodybuilders who just came off like a like mm-hmm. a snow prep, like, yes, then I would see like, oh, yeah, we're eating like, you know, 1200 calories because, you know, yeah. they, they, that's that's just a lot of very common. In yeah. Sport, right. Um, but the vast majority of, again, people that I see is, yes, they have been trying to eat that mm-hmm. and they may have been doing that for a very long time. Right. Yeah. And they also may have been doing that very often during the week. So like the roller coaster, like what will happen is, is like, Oh yeah, Monday through Thursday, we're trying to eat as little as food as possible. And then willpower only goes so far, hunger slash like restriction. This is where also too it, it this is a really like it, it's a really terrible practice because like now you develop this like restrictive mindset, the the relationship mm-hmm. with food gets just completely messed up. And then like on weekends or at night, especially, we're seeing lots of quote, binging, like overeating, like just yeah. slamming, slamming all sorts of high calorie foods, mm-hmm. um, you know, at night or on the weekends, like going out, like, you know, eating all the food or drinking and all that stuff. And yeah, if our bodies are not like little timers that reset after 24 hours, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a combination. It's a, it's what you do consistently over time. So if you're consistently following that pattern, you may be just maintaining because overall, like it averages out to be maintenance or even more so common actual weight gain because yeah. it's so easy to overeat. Like it is not hard to get 3000 calories on a Saturday. It's not hard when your maintenance may be only 2000. Like no, and especially when you are eating foods that are like very hyper palatable yes. or like even stuff that you don't like, and this is like not meant to make people afraid of eating food, but like I track my macros for, for, for performance race reasons. And I have to try to like keep my fat macros down or like, I will like just, I will vomit while I'm running. Yeah. Um, not that I'm restricting fat, you know what I mean? But I'm right, not eating 150 right, right. grams of fat a day. Like I probably would <laughs> <if> I let <laughs> myself go. I put peanut butter on my whole life, right. but like it blows my mind how easy it is to like, get in 1300 calories on a meal that like, and I need that sometimes and it's fine. But then I'm like, man, this is like, seems like a very normal meal. Right. Right. And that's like, not to, it's not meant to be restrictive or scary, but like, it's so easy once you like go from being really restrictive to like doing whatever you want, like how much you're actually eating. And I say this because I also wanted you to reiterate this for people that a lot of people like you're valid in feeling you're tired and you're valid in feeling like yes. you've been putting forth a lot of effort in restricting, 
but also understanding that like what people like gen pop specifically, like the not down metabolically down regulated or adapted like bodybuilders who, yes, like that's just a whole nother level of science that I just, I don't even really get into because that's like, I'm never going to be my approach with clients or myself. But I think a lot of people are thinking that science applies to them where really what they are doing is they aren't actually starving themselves, quote unquote, like they think they are, but they're restricting and then they're still consuming that same amount of calories. But then what Alex is doing with his clients is something I, I, I think is important for a lot of people to see is they're just taking that large spike on a Saturday and Sunday and instead spreading it across the week. Right. So you are eating less on the weekends or you could eat a little bit more on the weekends. Like it's, we're not saying you have to like only eat vegetables on the weekends, but you're, you're taking the same food that you're going to eat anyway on the weekends where it probably makes you feel like crap anyway after you overconsume totally. all that stuff. Right. Like I did that in early college. You know what I mean? Like, and I never felt good. Like I remember yeah. one Super Bowl yeah. Sunday laying on the floor <laughs> with like miserable stomach cramps because I ate like 10 <laughs> Oreo balls because I never had Oreo ball. This is when I felt like right. sugar was the devil yeah. and I was like half paleo with oatmeal. It was a whole thing. And I felt awful. And it literally was that day of my life. I was like, never again. I'm never feeling this way again. But once you learn to distribute it across the week, you have more energy. You feel better. Your body actually responds. You don't feel like shit then you feel less inclined to literally like bulldoze down the cereal aisle of Walmart exactly. on Saturday morning. And like that there's a difference between reverse dieting from like a bodybuilding perspective. We're like, okay, you're metabolically adapted and we're trying to get you back to a maintenance standpoint that like for your off season, blah, blah, blah. And some people might be doing that. They might genuinely be restricting across the whole week, but most gen pop people listening to this, we love you. We think you're great. We validate 120% the effort that you've been putting forth. Cause it is not fun. It is hard during the week, but reframing it from even like a reverse diet versus like working up slowly to spreading those calories across yeah. the week yeah. in a way yeah. that makes you feel good rather than the roller coaster. Right, right. And and I would do want to touch on that. It does it does, you know, there are definitely people that I run across too that yeah. have yo-yo dieted several several times and mm-hmm. and then they are still trying to like restrict 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 and as you know like <clears throat> meta, like metabolism people think is this one thing that is like calories in calories out. It just yeah. It's, it's just bidirectional and yes. that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but the thing is what people don't understand is that your, your calorie intake also affects your energy expenditure, your calorie. Out. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. So what the issue is, is that when people are chronically trying to under eat and mm-hmm. eat as little as possible, you know, throughout the week, what they're doing is, is they're driving down their um, ability to expend more energy, which yep. is huge in terms of being able to maintain weight loss because or fat loss because again like the less you move like the less you're going to expend the other thing is too is that muscle mass requires calories and fuel to maintain your body doesn't want to maintain it it hates it so much effort it's so much work (laughs) exactly so like your your bmr is going to drop your your non-exercise activity is going to drop because you just don't have the energy to do things. So you're not going to be moving around as much as you normally do. Actually, I mm-hmm. think they, they I, I don't remember the exact study, but people who chronically um, are trying to eat like lo- very low calorie, even like blink less. Like Yeah. Like you literally fidget yeah. less often less. your body conserves. Yeah. And so 
We talked about this on my story yesterday, and granted, yeah. people might not have even seen it, where I was asking if starvation mode was a real thing. And eventually, if you starve yourself enough, your body systems will shut down. But th- people think that your body's like holding on to fat. Well, no, if you keep eating too little, your body's not like, oh, we're starving. It's just moving less. You're just right. metabolically right. down regulating to right. conserve your energy. And I think this is where people get confused with reverse dieting because they think, well, if they eat more, they can still lose weight while eating more. And I think they get confused in that concept of like, well, you're technically still in a deficit. That's why you're losing is, weight when you're adding the calories, correct. but you're just giving your body literal fuel yes. to expend more energy <laughs> and then you can have better workouts and it works with you. And I know that's like a big mind fuck for people because they're like, well, I didn't, I reversed dieted and I didn't lose weight. And I was like, or I gained weight. I was like, yeah, well, you were at a maintenance point earlier right. in that. Like you're never, you're never not, you're never in a caloric excess and losing fat. You're just yeah. literally expending more as you feed yourself more it's a great thing it feels amazing join the club (laughs) (laughs) well and it and it too it it depends it depends on the individual like reverse dieting is super super uh there's generally three there's generally three ways it can go it's like one the person loses weight which oftentimes i will see if a person loses weight during reverse dieting again it's because we actually created a consistent deficit it, yeah. They weren't in a consistent deficit before because a lot of times what I see personally is that, yeah, the roller coaster, they're eating, yeah. you know, trying to eat 1200 calories during the week. And then on the weekends, they're they're massively over consuming and that averages out to be either maintenance or surplus. And then we actually put them. So, like, for example, somebody's eating and somebody's averaging like 1200 calories a day then I'm going to probably build them up. I'm going to you know, start them off initially somewhere probably around like meeting them where they are, like 1,500, knowing that that's not enough calories. But if they can consistently yeah. adhere to that. And you know what's funny is, is that a lot of times when they start doing it, because they're often motivated to do this, they're like, I don't understand how I can eat. I need more food. Like they're just they're because they're actually following it now. They're actually mm-hmm. adhering to this. And they yeah. recognize it's like, I don't understand. They're like, when I, and when I get them to the point where they are eating at maintenance, like I've taken, I've taken people from, you know, 1200 calories to eating like well over 2000. And they're like, I don't yeah. understand how I ever tried to eat 1200 calories. It's literally impossible. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this it's is the, impossible. <laughs> like It's so hard to do for a long time. No, you feel like shit. You feel awful. You have no energy. And then like, I feel like once people learn how good they can feel when they're doing the right things, then you're like, oh shit, I never want to stop doing this. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah. And so oftentimes these people, some, we will see some weight loss because they were, they were actually created a deficit. Um, and they were able, like you said, to, when you give them more food, even if it's not still not enough, like it's more than they were consistently doing. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have consistent, more, more consistent energy. They're going to be able to do more in their workouts. They're going to be feeling better, sleeping better. All these things also help with uh, improving energy expenditure. And so, mm-hmm. yes, then we, we may see weight loss with or fat loss with a reverse diet. And then we have people who just maintain. And mm-hmm. we also have people who gain weight during a, during a reverse diet. And I often see that with people who have been yo-yo dieting for a very long time or often older populations of people. Um, yeah. again, it, or it's just more about like, again, they're, they're, 
we haven't figured out how to be super, super adherent yet. Mm-hmm. And that is also the other issue is that it, I think people, it's not sexy, but people don't talk a lot about adherence and you have to stick with what you're doing. And people still struggle with accounting for things, especially with calories, calorie counting. I, I talked to someone, a message me in my DMs and they were like, macro counting or calorie counting never has worked for me. Every time I do it, I gain weight. It's not, calorie counting is literally a method. It's, it's that just has a method. To yeah. Do, yeah. With, with whether or not you gain weight, if you're gaining weight, it is because we are using the method improperly. We mm-hmm. are either not weighing our food correctly, or we are not accounting for everything that we're eating. I see this a lot with with um, people with kids. Like their kids will leave, you know, food on their plate, and it's just literally not even thinking about it. Will start grabbing their kids' leftover food and eating it, not thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, like this is nothing or whatever, or and then that's several can be several hundred calories over the course of the day that they're not accounting for. Yeah. I have like two full things to say to this that I think are important. The kid thing just made me think of something too. It's the same thing. Like when people say like, and for some people, yes, tracking is obsessive and disordered, but they try to do it while eating a very subpar amount of calories every day. Like, yes, tracking sucks when you're using it to try to restrict yourself to an a, a, a amount of food that is physiologically unsustainable for you. Yes. And like, I started tracking my food again ever since November. I've been doing it for about six months now. And macro tracking always annoyed me, but then I like reframed my thinking of it and I just made it easier for myself. Like I removed, I lowered the barrier of it, but I'm also, I track to make sure I'm eating enough, right? Like I'm yeah. eating so much food that it's so hard for me to like be aware of because my hunger like isn't, my body intuitively doesn't want to eat 350 grams of carbs a day. It might, I can't, I won't do it. Like my body <laughs> has no idea between like 150 and 200. It has no idea how many carbs after that. Like yeah. it just doesn't know. I'm like, okay, whatever. We're going to monitor this. Um, so it still blows my mind every day how much food I get to eat. You know what I mean? But yeah. I can't imagine doing that while also trying to do the math equation to make it be like 1300 calories. Like, of course it doesn't work if you're misusing the tool, right? Like, of course it's not going to work. Like, tweezers don't work if you tweeze your whole eyebrow off right like of course like you're gonna be unhappy with the product if you do the entire thing like that's such an extreme example but like, I think that, like but it works you, you shave your entire eyebrow off like of course the right doesn't work right like you're gonna be ticked because you're trying to do something like it's completely unrealistic right. um but then the tooth thing with the kids and macros and all that stuff I think that a big thing with like even monitoring your food intake is learning how to make meals that make you feel fuller longer because that little mindless stacking not only adds up calories, but it doesn't actually fill you up either. Yeah. So you're not actually at any point in time, like it's not, you're sometimes like it's, you're better off eating an extra meal. I think people's snacks are smaller, right? And that's not saying snacking is, is bad, but like they'll eat little random miscellaneous things that never actually fill you up, but contribute right. to this calorie intake. And so it's not saying don't snack, but like you'd be better off just eating a meal in that time than accumulating these random miscellaneous, what are they called? Bites and licks across the day, right? Like, and that like, sometimes you're almost more satisfied when you do that and you feel better than trying to like survive your entire afternoon on 50 calorie, like micro doses of food across the day. Well, what, so I want to add to that is like, so again, what, what I also use reverse dieting too, is to help create habits 
that will align with future success with losing fat loss, like losing fat, Mm -hmm. right? Like prime example of this, like grazing throughout the day. Why do we graze? Well, we are probably not eating enough food throughout the day. We're not eating balanced meals or we're at a low calorie intake and we need to eat more food or your body's not dumb. It will tell you what it needs. Exactly. Exactly. So again, like I want to touch on reiterate what you said is that it is very difficult to create better habits when we're in a state of restriction and, and just when we don't have a lot of room to play with. Right. Like even it's very difficult. Like I only have 1200 calories. Like how am I ever going to supposed to do all this stuff? Like, or whatever, like, how am I going to change these things that I've always been doing? I'm constantly hungry. I'm like, I'm restricted. I'm not able to do things. I don't have flexibility with my food choices. Like it is so much more difficult to do that in that state. So even from a, from a mental standpoint, this is also too, where I think is a very, uh, a person who would consider a reverse diet is a person who is, you know, constantly restricting their calories and they're not able to change their habits or do so do better or improve their health. It could be a very, very useful mental tool to help, you know, give yourself a break from this, from this Mm -hmm. mindset, um, and develop some better habits that will allow you to be more successful in the long term. So a lot of times with clients, like with reverse dieting, like we're working on things like eating mindfully, right? Like paying attention to your hunger and fullness, um, eating balanced meals, making sure that we're eating, you know, enough throughout the day and not necessarily like having to eat like on a rigid schedule, but just paying attention like, hey, am I hungry? Let's eat let's have something to eat. And then if I'm really hungry, let's make a meal or let's have some food and, and just developing these habits, right? Like, yeah, really, I talk about this all the time. It's like people don't get to where they get to out of the blue. It is a summation of your habits that you consistently practice. And so if you can create new habits that align with where you're trying to get to, you will be going in that direction, period. Yeah. I think so many people, I mean, it is very mentally hard to release that the clutches of your bad, like, like cliched crash diet culture habits yeah. that you have and restriction. And so like, you're completely valid if it feels scary and hard. And I think that's why we like the baby steps. We like the small yeah. steps. We like the meeting yourself where you're at. But for so many people, and I say this all the time, and I love that like you and more people are talking about this, like you kind of like need to not diet for like a while and just learn how to feed yourself. Learn what that yes. looks like. Yes. Learn what's in the food that you're eating. Learn how to make meals. Like it's going to be, if you do have the long-term goal of intentional weight loss, like it's a lot easier to eat in a deficit. If you already kind of have an idea, what you're, if you have no idea what you're eating in a day, then you just are going to restrict everything, Right. Or like, if you don't know how to make food or meals that make sense, then like, it's just, you're just going in blind and you're just, that's why you keep doing these restrictive, crazy things. And you're clinging to these quick fixes because you don't have any knowledge of it and you don't need to be a nutrition expert. And that's why hiring coaches like Alex is really helpful and important. And some of the other people that we like bring on here that are great people that you could work with, um, because the more knowledge you have and the more habitual you make it, the less effort it actually is. Like to the point that like, I always say like eating should be like, you shouldn't have to like waste all your mental energy on feeding yourself. Like you have so many other important things to do every single day. 
But if you take the time for like, like, I don't know how long you end up doing this with clients, but I know a lot of people are spending like six, nine, 12 months with people just like, yeah, it can take that long. Yeah. yeah. Like let's learn how to feed our organ sacks. You know what I mean? So we don't feel like trash and yeah. then let's, you know, actually like pursue that goal. But I think for a lot of people, yeah. it's hard to wait for that. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, what's, what's six months or a year compared to like literally knowing how to feed yourself properly for the rest of your life. Yeah. And like, you've probably been crash yo-yo dieting for yeah. 10, since you were 13 years old. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is too, is like, I also want to point out what you said. It's like, when we do get to the point where, you know, you are in a really good place to diet, then it is relatively straightforward. And for arguably, I would say very, not a hard thing. Like it's like, I've had clients, like we reversed them up and we've added calories and then we've changed their eating habits and their mindset and their relationship with food and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, well, we're just going to cut like 10% off your diet or your current intake. And that's it. Like, that's literally like, that's as far as it goes. And then when we have our check-ins, they're like, Oh yeah, it's all good. Nothing's here. It's like it's like yeah. we're, not, we're not struggling here because they've already built the foundation of what is necessary to just be able to roll with it, you know. And then for most people like you're working with or probably our listeners are very gen pop, you you're not looking for that extreme extreme like bodybuilding competition fat loss. If that's the case, yeah, it's going to get harder and it's going to be yeah. less sexy. And maybe that's where it starts getting maybe more obsessive again. And you have to be really careful. But yes. for most people, what you probably want or think you want is not that. Like yeah. that, that gradual deficit of that little bit of body recomp that just lets people feel better about mm-hmm. like, you know, their body or how they move or their fitness, yeah. usually hopefully yeah. gaining some muscle in there too. And it's not as extreme as people think, but getting there can be a big mental battle yeah. with yourself yeah. more than it is actually what you yeah. need to do is <laughs> very straightforward, but it's a lot easier with that foundation of habits. Like, yeah. 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 You have to be super, very, very, like, I think a, a big thing. And I love like the concept of like, you know, not being all or nothing, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to one, look at it as like, this is a long-term play. It's going to take a lot of time. Like I, I, I pretty much preface like, Hey, like, you've been dieting on and off for this many years. Like it's going to take some time to un to change those habits and not, and, and that mindset, like it's going to take time, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's like reverse dieting is not something that you can be, I think anybody should expect to be over with in, you know, a few weeks, like it's going to take, mm-hmm. going to take a lot of time. And you're also going to have to accept like, things not being perfect or not being ideal for a while. And yeah. uh, a lot of times people struggle with that because they, and I, and I also preface this, I'm like, you're going to have to sit in some uncomfortable places. You're mm-hmm. going to have to sit with the fact that you're probably not going to change your body composition too much. Like during this time period, it may happen, mm-hmm. but more than likely it's not. And mm-hmm. you're going to have to sit here for a while and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that can be very challenging for people because people, you know, they want to make changes because they've been sitting in this way for so long, you know? Yeah. They're all so, eager and ready and it's like, yeah. okay, well let's hurry up to wait. And that yeah. can be really hard. That can yeah. be really hard. Yeah. I know I get asked a lot, which isn't necessarily related to reverse dieting, but it is where like a lot of specifically women, cause that's who I work with, ask me a ton about like being okay with weight gain and changes with strength training. 
And like, I've shared that I've, I mean, I'm like 15 pounds heavier than I was at one point, like mm-hmm. a few years ago. And like, honestly, the year I spent, I never really, I mean, I didn't never really restrict to like calories, but I was really like clean eater kind of thing. And I ended up probably restricting calories because of that, but it wasn't the intention. But once I kind of swung back out of that, I, I spent one year and I think it was the best year of my life. One year of my life would like in my transition phase of powerlifting and all that, where I just ate. I just ate and trained and ate and trained. And I still think that one year was probably the best choice I ever made for my fitness yeah. moving forward. Right. Yeah. Like that I got, I, and like, you can still train, like you're feeding yourself in that time. So if you want to, that's a great time to like put on muscle and train hard and enjoy having energy in the gym. Um, but like, I look back and I'm like, man, that was the best investment I ever made mm-hmm. ever. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, never like, crazy extreme with diets and things like that. But like, I just don't think I knew how to feed myself enough for the activity level I had. And it changed, it blew my mind. I, it like completely changed my life. And now I, like I do that occasionally across the year every once in a while. Like I did a massive eat like a crazy person for like three or four months (laughs) this past winter, but I gained some weight, but I was like, that's okay. Like it's, it wasn't like, I wasn't like celebrating it, but I was like, that's okay. I'll sit here like this because it allows me to know that I'm like supporting my health and my metabolism while I want to do the things that I do. And you kind of like put that discomfort aside because, you know, long-term that's going to allow you to, you know, reach whatever goal it is that you have in a way that's like more sustainable. And then when I did, I didn't really cut. I just kind of went back to a lower maintenance. Like I didn't really have to change much of anything. You know what I mean? I just, like, I just kind of tweaked some habits and didn't change anything else in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and, and again, like you said, it's an investment. It's an investment in the future. It's like putting away money in a retirement fund. Like you make things easier later on in life. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing I'll say to that too, just to give context for people, just because I know what listeners are going to be thinking is like, there is that point though too, where like I come to terms with like, I could be leaner than I am and probably sustain it. But the choices and habits that I would have to make to be in a deficit yeah. below where I'm at isn't, I don't need to be leaner than I am for the athletic goals that I have. And I don't care about changing my body any more than it is for other people. Like, I don't care. Like, I just, that's not who I am. Like, I don't, like, that doesn't benefit me. And so, like, I let my body fluctuate how it does. And sometimes I'll get leaner with, if I'm training for a race, and then I'll put on some more fat when I'm after. But I've said this before, time and time again, I'd rather eat for for performance and have that little bit extra fat than have to just, like, the amount of manipulation I would have to do with my diet to be leaner than I am, I'm just like, it's not worth it for me. Mm -hmm. That's a choice. I don't care enough. I don't need to be two or three body fat percentages leaner to, for any, my, I wouldn't be any happier. My life wouldn't change. And I think, like, knowing that, like, you can get to that point where you just create these habits so you can have, like, a sustainable lifelong maintenance rather than having to be like, okay, now I have to go to another restriction. Like, you don't. You can just fix, build these habits and be like, you know what? Cool. I'm going to coast here for the rest of my life. And it's awesome. <laughs> right. Like I'm going to just coast here. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. I, I wanted to add that context for people. Cause it's like, it's not like you're doing this just to like then become bodybuilder lean. Like the goal is to make it so that you can maintain a body composition that you feel great in with the least amount of effort for the rest of your life. Like, well, uh, yeah, 100, yeah. 100. I'm, I'm just reading my listeners' minds to add that I always like, I'm like, what would people ask me? Let's make sure we address that. <laughs> if someone's doing this on their own and they're not yeah. with a coach or they're, they're curious about it or whatever, like your best tips for how to execute this in a way that is actually like functional. Yeah. Um, 
and how to maybe know if you're, I guess for some people, like how you know if you're a good candidate for reverse yeah, dieting. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I think honestly in this episode, we're like, well, probably most people, whether they're reverse dieting or not, they just learn how to eat, feed themselves. But like knowing when you are actually like probably need a reverse diet and then how to do that. Yeah. So first, I think if you've never reverse dieted before, I feel like you should get some help doing it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I, I feel like you should either hire a coach or there's a lot of ebooks out there. Like I know... Um, you know, Lori has written some ebooks, Lane Norton has written some ebooks, Bethany has written some ebooks on reverse dieting. Um, yeah. I, I, there, there's a lot of resources on, on how to go about doing it because again, like it is for a lot of people that it is scary to fit with the concept and the notion that you are going to add more calories back and then you could potentially gain weight. Like that, that is, a, that is a scary thing for a lot of people. So I think it does help to have some support and some accountability to in order to, to go through with it. So I would say like, if you're thinking about doing a reverse diet, like I would definitely hire somebody, like a coach that's experienced with doing it. Um, so the first step obviously is to really see where you are. Like you need to move yourself where you are. So you need to look at like, honestly, and take an honest look at what you've been doing, right? Like reverse dieting is not a, um, it's not something for people who just want to eat intuitively or eyeball it. That is not how that's going to work. That's not going yeah. to work. Yeah. Like you have to, you have to be able to manage and, um, you know, look at, take data. So, um, you're going to need to track <clears throat> your food and, you know, make, and then see what you're actually doing honestly at current. Right. Mm -hmm. And if indeed it's like, all right, well, this is what I'm averaging per week. Like, let's just say like I'm averaging, you know, 1500 calories per week. And then you go look up what your maintenance is. And there's a lot of different calculators out there that figure out maintenance, like TDE calculator.net or uh, I'll link in the show notes. I have a free macro calculator. I'll link in the show notes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So for anyone listening, I'll link that. It's just the equation we use in my research lab, yeah. but I have one in my show. I'll link in the show notes for you guys. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, you figure out your maintenance. So let's just say your maintenance is somewhere around like 2200 based on your activity level right that's another thing people got to be honest about is like how much they actually move right like yeah. some people um tend to overestimate how much they move right but off but still though that number that spits out from a calculator is still just an estimate it's not it, it's not taking into account like you know dieting history or hormones or things like that so it yeah. is still just a rough target but that's really something for you to shoot for, right? Mm -hmm. And then slowly adding back calories over time. You know, mm -hmm. it can be anywhere from 50 calories to 100 calories per day, you know, over the course of several months of adding that back. So, for example, like for let's just say, you know, you're starting off at like 1500 calories your estimated maintenance is like 2200. Okay, maybe maybe we start off at like 1600 calories at first and then we have to measure and see what your body is doing. And at that same time, you've got to be adherent, so you've got to stick to it, right? Like you can't be sitting here doing the things where it's like, "Oh, I'm going to eat 1600 calories Monday through Thursday and then still eating 3000 on Saturday and Sunday, right? And Friday night." That's not going to work. You're just bumping every average up. You need to yeah. stick to it and be adherent. And then you need to then you need to measure what's going on with your body. And I don't I I, I know a lot of sometimes people say, well, you shouldn't be weighing yourself while you're reverse dieting, but it's just 
another tool to see what's going on. Like you should look at your anthropometric measurements. Like you should look at your weight. You should look at pictures, body measurements. You should also assess how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. I call this like biofeedback. Like you should look at things like how's your sleep? How's your, how's your performance? How's your recovery? What's your mood like? Energy levels. These are all things that if they are trending in, in the right direction, then we are moving in the right direction. And if your weight is changing, yeah, it's going to change. But a lot of people don't think too. It's like, this is why it's helpful to have a knowledgeable coach. It's like, yeah, you may be putting on a little bit of water weight. A lot of times, a lot of people start strength training for the first time and they're putting Mm -hmm. on muscle mass because now they're actually giving their bodies a little bit more fuel to build some muscle mass. So you can't always just look at, you know, you can't be married to that scale with this. Yeah. This is what I'm Yeah. Like I know I'm very logic brain too. And if you're a listener who's more emotional and that is hard for you, like, of course, we're not saying that like you must weigh yourself. So you feel bad about yourself every single day. If you have disordered eating past, like this probably maybe isn't the best approach for you right now. That's okay to acknowledge that. Why work for the coach to see where you're at? (laughs) Yeah, like that's, again, meeting yourself where you're at. But there are people who do want this information. So please take this and apply it if it does work for you. But yeah, I mean, they're eating, they're also like more food mass in your, there's more food in your body at any point in time, right? Like, Like, yeah, like literally more, you're making more poop. Like, 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 literally, yeah, you're just making more poop. (laughs) So, yeah, so, but that's, but these are all things that you are going to use to, to assess, you know, where, how your body is responding. And at that point, using that data combined with like, you're looking at your adherence, then you could say, okay, well, let me see if I can add a little bit more. And it's slowly over time. So we're talking like, you know, every maybe two or three weeks, right? It's not a, it's not a fast process just to, so that one, you give your body enough time to adjust Two, mentally, you learn how to eat more food and do it in a way where it's, you know, aligned with your goals. So again, it's about not just about like, you know, addressing any metabolic issues. It's also about creating habits and learning how to build these skills that will allow you to be more successful in the future. Now, again, like the end point. Yeah. Okay. If you get to a point where, you know, you're close to that target or maybe you even exceed that maintenance, because a lot of times people, they're like, we think that our maintenance is like 2200 and they're they're able to tolerate way more calories than that. All right, fine. You feel, how do you feel? Do you feel good? Do you feel satisfied? Like you're not constantly hungry. Um, You know, you have a good balance of protein, carbs, and fats in your diet. You, you know, you're, if you had any relationship, food relationship issues, like we're not having those issues. Like you have a good concept and grasp of like what foods work for you, what foods don't, or what, like you're able to include the foods that you like eating and things like that. Like, biofeedback is good and you're feeling, you know, you're feeling good, then at that point, you're probably good to go. And you can stay there as long as you want to. And if you want to make intentional body composition changes, like for example, fat loss, um, what I would suggest is, and this is where, um, you know, people do often um, make some errors in reverse dieting is that oftentimes, okay, let's just say we get to our maintenance, right? And they immediately want to go back into a cut. I would yeah. suggest not. I would suggest staying there for at least, you know, give yourself at least like two or three months to just be there and not be immediately restricting back again. And 
then when you have a lot of that time, okay, and you feel in like a good place, like go for it. Give it a try, you know? Yeah. I think so many people are so eager. They do this just as a means to an end to being able to diet again. But yes, bodies are calories in, calories out, but there's also psychological, like hormonal, physiological changes that come with just eating enough that are going to make it easier. But if you just get there and touch it, it's like going to the mountain and touching it and not even sitting up there to enjoy the view. You know what I mean? You're like, you're like, oh, I touched it. Yeah. Like at least take a picture, eat eat a snack. I don't know. Like you hang out up there. You just did all this work just to run back down to the bottom where it's safe. Unless it's a thunderstorm, I suppose. Um, (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's just like, you can just, and also I think people forget that like your dieting can, should like, obviously you shouldn't just go back to then dieting for a year. It's going to be a short intentional period of time. Right. And it can fit in with a season of life that you're in. Right. Like when I was, it's kind of like, I mean, this isn't dieting, but I was taking comps last summer and I was training for my ultra. I actually didn't increase my mileage the whole month of July. I stayed at the same exact mileage because that was more realistic for me to stay there and maintain Mm -hmm. versus building, which is kind of the opposite of like being a diet. But I knew that that was not a good time, but like maintenance is an option. Like, I think people always forget that like maintenance is an option. Like, yeah. And if you get there and sometimes even you see changes at maintenance, right? Cause if you, you're yeah. still strength training and like, and being consistent, like you might just be impatient to where your body is going to just start working with you yeah. at that point. At, at 100%. I've, I've definitely had clients that they, we reverse and we get to maintenance and they're like, you know what? I thought I wanted to cut. But I'm, just I'm happy loving it. Here. Yeah, like yeah. I'm happy here. I'm stronger. I feel good about like what I'm doing. I feel I have a lot of energy. Like they're just they when they wrestle with the notion of like taking calories away and like having to remove the food that they have worked to just allow themselves to eat. It's like it's not worth it to them. Like no. yeah, so it's just like no, I'm good here, and then that's it. Like that's and that's really, like an incredibly valid choice. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people too that I see, there are people who like, especially the people who were like maybe under eating and they were leaner, but they weren't like leaner from a point where like they were like that body recomposition lean. They were just tiny and they get to that maintenance and they have more tissue and they're bigger and stronger. Especially I see this with like a lot of women who are kind of maybe more naturally lean or thin. They actually are just thriving there. And they always thought that it was that tininess that they wanted, but actually like that five to 10 extra pounds and more muscle and more performance is so much more rewarding than that arbitrary, I need to weigh X amount goal that they have. I see that like, obviously everyone's body composition is different coming into these things, but I see that with a lot of women who are not by any means over overweight or have extra adipose tissue or anything. They just have this arbitrary mindset around it where like, if you can get there, they're like, oh wait, Mm -hmm. I actually am quote unquote toned. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And like eating more and like, wait, what? why would I ever want to be smaller than this? And you're like, yes, yes, you're getting it. Amazing. <laughs> you're doing amazing, sweetie. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. No, like that's it. Like it's, it's, it, and again, like people, when you get there, like, again, it's about meeting yourself where you are. Like if you, you know, still want to lose fat, it's okay to do that. Now you are in a position where you can do that in a more successful way. So yeah, yeah I think like people who are contemplating whether or not they should do a reverse diet, like you asked about like who, who would be a candidate. I think it's, it would be anybody who's really struggled with maintaining their weight uh, and, or anybody who's like been on this like kind of constant yo-yo cycle 
Like, hey, let's take some time to actually just learn how to eat at maintenance and be at maintenance. Like, yeah, one of the most people I see like cross that come across me is like people who have fit that fit that perspective or people who would like to eat more food and potentially, you know, just be able to eat a little bit more and not super, super gain a lot of weight or or even people who are looking for performance gains. Right. Like I think a lot of athletes and stuff like that. Um, you know, eating a little bit more, being able to train harder, like being able to fuel their bodies better. Like, I think that that's, I think that that's a good also person like who would be like, Hey, what, what would life be like? What would my training and performance be like if I ate a little bit more food? You know, I think this is a big, I'll, I'll chime this in too, that I think a lot of people don't see is like, if you do have a very high training volume, obviously like getting into like the metabolism of carbs versus fat versus protein is a little more beyond this episode, but you can actually get away with driving up your carb intake so much more than you might be eating because you're actually like metabolizing it so much more. And so like your body composition might not necessarily be changing because you're either eating enough or you're overeating fat under eating carbs, but like you might be able to like actually drive up your calories from carbs specifically because it will fuel your performance and have it not actually like, I think a lot of people only use body changes or weight changes as a metric of if something's working or not. Um, but sometimes you can like, especially really highly athletic people, like you can push that carb up the specifically just carbs up and then you'll just be expending more or you'll have more energy or your body needed it. Cause it just, again, how glycogen stores drive and regulate fuel and energy yeah. stuff is that's just, we, little, that's, that's a, <laughs> just well, another conversation for another day. I know people are going to be like, can you unpack that? It's hard to explain, but like you can drive up your calories from that and play with that as a way to not even reverse diet, but increase your caloric intake to fuel your performance and recovery in a way that's actually beneficial that you might not necessarily even gain like a quote unquote, you know, undesired weight from, or maybe it's weight that's necessary, but like, um, because you're going to have, you're literally going to use it in replenishing your stores or expenditure across the week kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. I have one last question. Yeah. Because I know people are going to ask it and then we can plug you shamelessly in here. <laughs> when people are reverse dieting and they're eight, they are increasing that one to 200 calories at a time, how long do you recommend people stay at each increment? Because I know people are going to want to know that. Um, obviously, it's going to depend on the person. But do you have like a general time range you work with people, like how long they stay at each increase? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, super, super dependent upon a lot of factors. Um, mainly though, so though looking at like, that's why it's good to take data because then we can see whether or not things are changing either too rapidly or not. Right. Yeah. Um, like, especially if we're talking about like body mass, like if, if, if we're, if we're seeing like, you know, two or three pounds jump up a week, like there's something else going on. Like that's, that's, you know, if, if generally if like a reverse diet, like maybe we see maybe like a half a pound or a pound or so like um, a week. On average, not day to day. Everyone yeah, not calm day, down. Yeah, on average, on average, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, if, we're, if that we're going to see that kind of weight gain, that's the kind of weight gain we're going to see. And again, it's mostly mostly water, like food weight, like glycogen, like all that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily body fat. So giving but, it time to kind of plateau out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're looking for some stability and, and, and we're looking for, you know, uh, yeah, some stability. So generally though, to have enough data, I would say two to three weeks would be mm -hmm. where I would generally say a person could stay. So like, let's just say, um, you know, we're at 1600 calories. 
we nudge it up like, you know, 50 calories. Let's just stay there for like two or three weeks and see, see how that goes. And then if we're still maintaining or even if there's still loss, right? Like yeah. another factor, if there's loss, you know, depending on how much, then okay, we'll, we'll add some more. So like maybe we add another 50 calories, 150 to hundred calories, and then we're going to stay there for another two or three weeks. It is a very gradual process. Um, yeah. And now here's the other thing I did want to touch on is that like not everybody has to reverse diet either. Um, and the I was going to say, do you ever have people where you're just like, here's maintenance, let's chill. Like, well, let's just go it, right to this. Again, it depends on, it depends on where they're at and like what their goals yeah. are, right? Like, but it also depends on, so I've had clients that I've worked with for a very long time. We worked through several cuts um, and if you do a diet, a fat loss diet in a smart way, which means like you're not dieting for, you know, a year, six months, like you're not dieting for an extreme long period of time. You're not taking your calories to a very low amount. Like, honestly, if you have to go below like 20%, like, like, yeah. Like, yeah. But I mean, some people do, but if you're, I've had people, you know, lose fine off of 10, 15% cut. And that's not, that's what I would add back like over reverse anyway. So like, I think you just the same thing. Like if you're reversing, you're just extending this deficit out. Whereas like, yeah. if we're not taking that much away. Like if we only had to cut like 200 calories from your diet, okay, let's figure out what your new maintenance is at this current, at this current weight. And the other thing is too, is like, you'd have to lose a lot of weight to substantially change your BMR. If you're only lost mm-hmm. like, you know, like 10 pounds or so, your B, your, your, your TDE, it's, your it's total marginal. Rate, yeah, not yeah. going to change super, super much. So, okay, well, let's just shoot for like 100 calories below, like the difference is, and we already just added back. Let's just try to go back. Just go me. right there. Just yeah, right you don't there. need to go up like, like 10 calories a day. Yeah. Like that's not necessary. So if you diet in a smart way, in a sustainable way, like a reverse diet, it may not even be necessary. Just going back to your new yeah. maintenance. And of yeah. course, people, I think a lot of people, our listeners are like, wow, do I know that? And like, no calorie calculator is perfect. It's never going to be. I can take you into my lab, put you under the RMR cart, and I still won't be able to perfectly tell you how many calories you expend in a day unless I strap it to you for 24 hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. and measure, it's just like, it's it. your watches and your, and your calculations, they're all just best estimates. So like, Go to what is the closest, be honest about your activity levels and just see how your body responds, yeah, right? That's like that's it. all yeah. you can do. Hey, hey, <laughs> Engineering. Take non-emotional, very objective data. Like if you <laughs> yeah. ramp up your energy expenditure rapidly and you feel shitty and miserable, increase your calorie intake and right. take data. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. if right. you suddenly rapidly just decide to stop working out and you like – take data. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to keep it in context of what you're doing and being honest with yourself about that. And like, yeah, I love that. I love that caveat. Cause I think some people think that like there, I feel like there's these two wars between reverse dieting and just going back to maintenance, but it's probably like, well, it depends on what the person was doing before you make that choice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope this was really insightful for you guys. I thought Alex would be good to talk about this. Cause I really, I really liked a conversation we had and I wanted to like expand that for you guys. Cause I like this viewpoint on it because I'm very much in the messy middle on reverse dieting where I think sometimes it's overused, but also sometimes it's really necessary and going just to maintenance is like 
a little too oversimplified for some people. And so I think that like, hopefully this answers a lot of your guys' questions. I know a lot of our listeners or my followers are just really confused on what that means. So I think this should be really helpful. I will link in the show notes, um, my free macro calculator, some of those reverse dieting references he mentioned, and then I'm going to let Alex shamelessly plug himself now and how you can work with him um, <laughs> and all, where you can find him and learn more. Yeah. So yeah, you could find me on Instagram, uh, Alex Q Macklin. That's where I'm most active. And then uh, if you're interested in working with me or my assistant coach, Christina, who's also awesome, uh, you can find us at alexmacklin.com. Awesome. Well, I'm going to add Alex and his crew to my list of um, general nutrition people. I kind of have an accumulated list because as you guys know, I don't coach nutrition, but I know that people want that. So I like to make sure I keep a list of people that I trust will not you know, diet you into oblivion and make you hate your life. Um, so I will add Alex to my FAQ page on my website of people that you can, you can Thank work you. with if you're looking for a nutrition coach. I like to have that network, right? Cause it's yeah. something that I don't offer, but I want people to be in good hands. So thank you so much, Alex. I thought this was so Thank great. You. If you guys enjoy this episode, go follow Alex, tag both him and I, when you share this, like listen to this, share it, tag us. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, you enjoy the podcast, great reviewing, reviewing, subscribing, downloading helps so much. And we will catch you next week on another episode of the Messy Middle Podcast. Until then, live well, demand better, and stay messy. Thank you, guys. And thank you, Alex. Thank you. (laughs) 